right, welcome to another episode of the Business Academy podcast. Your host, Ethan Dainberg here with a very special guest, my good friend, Tyler Graves. Uh, he is, not only is he the uh, founder and president for uh, the corporation Ready Stays, uh, but is also a childhood friend. Yes, yes, this is true. And a man of many backgrounds, international traveler, cavalier from around, you know, he's a bit He's, he's seen it, done it, been there. Uh, so he has some definitely some stories to share today. But more importantly, I think as we talk about business today and the story of what it takes to go from you know zero to seven figures, this guy has done it from a startup, zero dollars in revenue, no customers, to five million in yep. annual revenue, yep. four years, um, and uh, just recently close to 145 units. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty uh, pretty impressive. So uh, with that being said. Thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, thank you. I appreciate awesome. that, Ethan. Well, let's start with the uh, the origin story. Right. Sure. Yeah. Every um, uh, every hero or villain needs an origin story. That's exactly right. Um, so, absolutely. where do we uh, where do we start? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you I mean, you you know our audience. Yeah. You know chiropractors well. Yeah. You know healthcare providers well. You've not only have you done contract work for companies like Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've worked in the consulting. You've done. You've worked in the HR field. You've uh, worked in uh, uh, coaching healthcare providers. You. I mean, traveled the world, sure. seen just about every single country that uh, I would say we see <laughs> in the first world country, at least. Yeah, it's the yeah. second world as well. Sure. Um, so you not only are you uh, you're you're you're, you're traveled and, and experienced in that regards, but um, then you started the Ready Stays Corporation. So yeah, with Ready Stays, you know what is it, and then where did it start? Absolutely. So um, it started uh, about four or five years ago. Um, you know, Ready Stays itself is a what we would call a corporate housing company. So corporate housing is basically month-to-month furnished rentals, um, primarily for people that are moving between homes. We also service a lot of professional athletes that are doing training programs for a couple months at a time. Um, you know, people that are relocating. We the the bulk of our uh, inventory, the bulk of our rentals, is in the Tampa Bay uh, area. So we do service a lot of people that are relocating to the area. And then, of course, there's your everyday projects, construction projects, engineering firms, um, just anybody that basically needs to stay typically for a month or month to month or for a couple of months at a time um, that doesn't want to be, you know, crowded or, or, you know, in like a hotel. Right. Fair enough. A lot of people say, oh, well, that's great. It sounds like you uh, you do Airbnbs. No, we don't. We don't do Airbnbs. Airbnbs are typically nightly rentals, although they do provide uh, monthly rentals as well. The difference with our program is that in Airbnb, you have to book a fixed stay. You book for two weeks, two months, whatever that is. With our program, all of your rentals or the majority of our rentals, if they're here in the Tampa Bay area, are really month to month. You can have a projected move out date. You stay as long as you need to. You can either give us a 30-day notice or a 14-day notice. We don't relist the property as available. So it allows you to have very flexible terms. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just a it's a good program for those that, again, they're doing a project, they're in a transition. Um, and it is, you know, we're primarily in mid to luxury communities throughout the Tampa Bay area. We also have projects that we do nationally. Nice. Yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting is uh, at, at the end of the day, the business model, yeah. right, is a flip. It's a flip of sorts. Yeah. And I'm going to go back a little bit earlier. Yeah. To when we were hanging out in 2000 and... I think it was 19. I think it was just before COVID. No, no, no. Before, way before that. Oh, okay. Way back. We're going yeah. to 2007. Yeah. Well, this... Oh, yes. Okay. Going yeah. back to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, my goodness. We were hanging yes. out back in our early back. 20s. Yes. And the reason I'm bringing that time up is that I were you at that time. We were just we were just young idiots, right? In our early 20s. Yeah. Doing whatever we could to make money. And exactly. you were... Not only did you have a full-time job, but you were also flipping things on yes yeah and one thing i've always noticed like kind of to me your origin story is you know how to take a product 
that is undervalued and flip it for its proper value, earn the difference, mm-hmm. and then scale that over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And the story was there. Yes, I, I was working a full-time job. I think, you know, the recession happened a year or two prior, so things were, you know, we needed to make more money. And so this would have been 2010 then. This was like 2000 and I think it was like 2009, Yeah, actually. Yeah. So it was just right around that time period. So yeah, I had a job. I was actually working from home at the time, which was in that apartment in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I wanted to make more money and was single, unattached, and, you know, wanted to kind of pursue some opportunities. So found a way, you know, essentially to, yeah, you're right, find a product that was undervalued, you know, then find people that wanted it. Uh, these were things like, you know, PlayStations, Nintendo Wiis, uh, uh, th- you know, tickets to games, stuff like that. And that was only for a couple of months. But I think that kind of stands out to you as, oh, that's interesting. Like, I did all, like you always, you know, you recognized uh, that there's always... The hustle. The hustle yeah. is always an arbitrage of some sort. There's well, always, yeah. there's always yeah. some that can be done, right? Yeah. So so it's almost like with what you're doing now, you're in a, in a much more uh, scalable way yeah. that you are, the, the mindset you've had is I'm going to find an opportunity yeah. and then provide a value yeah. and then earn the difference. Yeah. And basically the, the, the origin story of that is that, you know, I've been working in uh, business management consulting with some HR for, I had been working for a couple of years. Prior to that, I lived in Southeast Asia. I owned a company that did tutoring for um, uh, you know, people in Thailand, mostly in Bangkok companies. We did private, you know, we did seminars, private tutoring and stuff like that. But um, when I came back to the States, uh, was working in business management consulting. So I kind of have that mindset of, all right, how do you build something? You know, how do you optimize things? How do you find a service or product, advertise it, get it in front of people, and then you know, bring on you know, people that have the same ideas as you that want to work for you, and then sort of scale something based around that. So I, I would say that starting a business was something I'd done before, but I really wanted to start something here and, and really scale it and grow it. And so I was doing the consulting, yeah. and then the, the corporate housing, we'll call it the month-to-month furnished rental, sort of started as a hustle as more of a real estate play. Like, hey, let's test out this market. You know, could, could we be buying and selling homes or buying and renting homes in this area? And then that kind of grew to, well, I'm getting people that are asking, you know, to stay for a month at a time or a few months at a time versus your traditional 12-month lease. Oh, well, they want something furnished. And so I started to listen to the customer. And in this case, it was a lot of realtors. People were saying, hey, my client just sold their home. They're buying a new home or they're selling it or rather they're, they're going to be buying a new home or building a new home in another area. Do you have, can we rent this for a month or two or a couple of months? And I was like, oh, well, let's, let's pursue this. And I kind of fell into the corporate housing space versus going, oh, I'm, I came from corporate housing. Let me start my own thing. Right. And then kind of seeing what those needs were and then building up a client base from there. That makes sense. So, so where, you know, if you're, if, if you're talking to a new chiropractor right, yeah. or a new yeah. healthcare provider right out of school, they want to go into private practice. Mm-hmm. They want to open up their doors from day one as a startup. Yes. Right. Um, the business just doesn't walk in on its own. No, it doesn't. No. How do you, how did you get your, how did you kick this thing off? Meaning obviously for you, it was a part-time set yes. hustle that then turned into a full-time income that yeah. built into a, a seven-figure business. Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you give a new startup, small business owner as yeah. to expectations, workload, yeah. um, importance of generating mm-hmm. enough traffic and brand awareness mm-hmm. and enough business to come in. Yep. Um, it's not going to be handed to you. No, it's not. And I would say that, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how that works when you're coming out of school and it's like, okay, now I got to start something. But the, the idea of starting something small, and again, you know, this, our, our company, we did not get, you know, venture capital. We did not take on a massive loan. We did not get a line of credit or anything so, like that. So, so, so no, started, no business loan, no line of credit, yeah. no investors, uh, no capital. It's, this just started kind of, you know, very organically. 
um, and kind of grew based on cash flow. So I would say that the the idea of obviously being very ambitious, but not having the stress of, oh my God, I'm dropped into this and now this is the only way I can make money. I think the very fact that we, I had another source of income and this was a side hustle for about a year. I would even argue a year and a half, maybe even two years before I really went, okay, I'm going to stop with the private consulting or the management consulting, you know, drop those clients and then get into this full time because the income was generating, you know, the income was strong enough. And that, it grew organically. I mean, I would say that having a very good website, I think that our website, we get a ton of great feedback, readystays.com, throw a little plug in there. We get a ton of great feedback on our website, our our, our pages, just the, the way it looks. We have a great presence on Google. All those things count for something. And the traffic did come organically, but the hustle was there. You know, sales, follow, I mean, all every every hat and every division of the company had to be filled by, you know, this guy until we hired, you know, brought people on to then fill those shoes. So the idea of just, you know, oh, being dropped into it, it's like, well, this is my only income. You know, I got I, I like the idea of you've got another income, you're building this, you're working hard. Um, I still work very hard. It's not like, oh, I can rest on my laurels, you know, the company's, no, no, we're, we're continuing to grow. So I'm always working. But um, I, I like the idea of having a product or a service that is so strong and is marketed so well, it, it sells itself by referrals, it sells itself by a good online presence and let that traffic come to you organically. Don't go out and, listen, I'm not arguing raise, you know, venture capital. I'm not, you can do that. If that's the play that you want or you want to take out a loan or whatever. Sure. Um, I would say most, yeah. most startup healthcare practices do not have that opportunity. Exactly. They, have, they have their sweat equity. Right. They have whatever, you know, a few bucks they can scrounge together. Yes. And yeah. they're usually, they already have, you know, $200,000 in student loans. Yeah. And oh, then they're yeah. trying to put money together to open up a practice or they're getting another line of credit through business to yeah. get it then kickstarted. But I like your story because it, it wasn't like the ready stays that we know today and how it operates and the brand awareness. And 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 when I look at Ready Stays and what I see was not there day one. No, no. You had to build that over time. And and, and let me just actually uh, uh, fast flow to to a story you shared with me about um, one of your non-ideal customers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is one thing that we talk a lot about at uh, the Business Academy is knowing your target audience. Yep. Uh, uh, creating your ideal patient mm -hmm. because sometimes the patients you don't want in your practice are the ones that cause the most problems. Yeah. And um, that I would say creating your offer as well. That's right. So creating an offer around your ideal patient. So yeah. for you, you've always, you've learned over time, like I gotta, I have to, I have to create a, a consumer profile if you would, or I gotta yeah. know what my uh, ideal customer is yeah. or client is. Uh, and this story goes back to earlier on mm -hmm. right, when you didn't have as many units as you had now and you were, you were fitting in, you know, as many people as you could in different units to get cash flow and to be able to pay. And, exactly. Yeah. And you had um, a gentleman that really kind of caused you a lot of stress. I, I, yeah, we had multiple, There's many multiple stories. Right? Yeah, yeah. There were multiple people where you're just kind of going, you know, if you don't, again, we're responding to inquiries. You know, trying to fill places, trying to you know build a business, grow the 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 the, uh, the um, portfolio, and. Um, I think in the course of doing that in a year or two or even three of doing that, you sort of identify what is your true customer, you know? And if you don't know what that true customer is, then you find yourself just, there's problems. I mean, inevitably when we go down market, when we, you know, find ourselves, oh, we just got to, you know, get somebody in there. We don't do the proper checks. We don't do the proper, you know, whatever. Then now you're servicing a different segment, a different market. You find yourself with problems. So there mm -hmm. have been people that unfortunately we've had to evict. Um, or, you know, just where something has gone terrible and it hasn't really worked out. And if you're putting your attention to that and not your actual customer, we have a very de definitive customer profile. Now when a call comes in or an inquiry, 
you know, oftentimes I'm still doing a lot of the sales or if somebody else is doing the sales, hey, here's the pattern, here's how we're talking, here's how we're identifying, if they're qualified, and then we're going into our program. And in the first 30 seconds, we can define whether this person is an ideal fit for our company, whether they're an ideal customer for our company. And if they are, then we pursue them doggedly. I mean, we, it's the follow-ups, it's everything. And if they're not, there was a marketing mismatch. Mm. And so it's like, oh, let's identify what in our marketing gave them the impression that we do weekly rentals or we do, we're a, we're a motel alternative. We're not, we're a hotel, we're a three or four star hotel alternative, two or three times the size of a hotel room, with, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20% less than what you'd be paying for a hotel. So, so, so that's kind of like the, that's the angle. It's not, oh, we just provide, you know, inexpensive monthly rentals. Interesting. So if you're attracting, this is a good point, if you're attracting at times the wrong, the wrong customer. Yeah. Then you're you're being proactive and going, where did our messaging yeah, I said? Absolutely. I think sometimes healthcare providers outsource a lot of their marketing. Yes. And then they get a lot of leads that aren't yes. ideal customer and they just get mad at the marketing company. Yes. And I would I would actually say it's probably best when you're starting out a practice or any business that you you do everything at the beginning. You do I mean, I still handle the majority of the sales in our company because I like to know the customer. I like to always hear the changing trends. Oh, there's a new competitor. Oh, what's the competitor offer? Okay. How do we differentiate ourselves from the, but we're very clear and we're very secure in our position in the market. We can you know, say with confidence, we are the most reviewed and highest rated furnished housing company in central Florida on Google. I mean, that, that, that counts for something. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, and, and you, and to be able to put yourself, and again, it can be chiropractic, it could be dentistry, it could be anything, get yourself in a position where you can proudly say something like, like that. And you can, and it's very objective. It's not, well, we're the best. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, everyone's the best. You know, you can probably say, Hey, here's the metric. Here's the statistic. Here's how we're different. Here's what you're going to get. Use our program or. Yeah. Well, it's funny because most, I would say a lot of new, sometimes at new grads or even experienced doctors right now that are wearing multiple hats. Yes. They don't, they don't want to do the dirty work, the dirty work. Right. And I, and I love the dirty work and I love to get out of the dirty work. So my, my thing, and, and this actually worked. Um, really well in the business Spanish consulting was do the work, get into the pits. It's stinky. It's rough. It sucks. It's this. It's that. It's you're dealing with the crap, but you're fit. You're you're tuning. You're you know if you're on the phone with a customer and you're oh this isn't a marketing fit. Well, if you just outsourced your marketing, you know how do they know, right? But if you're the, if you've handled your marketing from the very beginning and you know your customer, you're not having to do marketing forever, but at least you've built out the initial uh, pages. You built up the initial content. And then you truly know what to tell your marketing company. So now they're imparting what your message is. Right. Same thing with sales. Oh, I just hire a sales guy. Uh, okay. Well, you know, if you're, if you're not, if you haven't been in the trenches doing all the sales, how do you know how to train the sales guy? Do the hard work and then pull. I think we talked about this months ago too. Do the hard work and then pull yourself out of the hard work. Turn that hat over to that sales guy. Turn that hat over to that marketing guy because you know and can do everything in that position. That's huge. I think that's really important. So don't like, get stuck there. Don't get, that's, where, that's, that's where you fail, right? And most guys get stuck there, right? Right. Yeah. So, so let's, let's uh, move forward then. One thing that I've really admired about how you run your operation is you are very organized. I think, I, like you are, think. I think you are by nature, but also you understand the importance of a good org board, a good org chart, you know, uh, managing your business by the numbers. Yes. Right. Um, uh, having processes, procedures, project management, task management, I mean, for the for part of for for most of the years of Ready Stays, it was run by you and virtual assistants. Yeah, over yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because that's how we scaled. 
You scale with no employees and a handful of virtual assistants. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it worked. It served its purpose. We don't really have any at this point, but it served its purpose. In those initial stages. Yeah. And then and you're out of that. And, and then if you're working with, I mean, I think whether the audience has experience working with a VA, a virtual assistant, you know, over the Philippines or a different country, you have to be very exact. Very exact. And yeah. if anything, to me, I think it, it helped you dial in. This is just my opinion. It helped you dial in your processes yeah. so well because you couldn't have a VA. A VA is a quintessential person. It has to be given exact directions. Very clear. To, with exact clear protocols, clear. exact sequences, yeah. exact workflows mm-hmm. on how to get from A to Z and what timeline, by what, you know, in what context. You have to spell all of that out for them. Yes. Right. And that almost by doing that, it was a an inexpensive way to run your business, but also it it forced you to have to build your process for everything. Right. Yeah. And I feel like some people, they just go, I'm the business owner or I'm the, you know, I'm the president or I'm whatever. I started this thing. I'm going to hire you. You figure it out. You figure out the marketing. You figure out the, uh, you know, the, the client retention, you know, process or the referral. It's like, I, I don't know. I hire, do you, don't you have a, a background in marketing? Don't you have a background in, in, you know, being a receptionist or sales? You know, just do it. It's like, yeah, but then they're going to do it their way. Right. And right. so, you know, it's funny when you look at the people that we have brought on, as employees, we brought people on that actually didn't have a lot of experience in this business. This is somewhat of a niche business. So, I mean, yes, there, there are other companies that do what we do, of course, and there's national companies that do what we do. But um, because we've had the training place, I mean, down to video screen shares, hey, here's how you're going to be paying a vendor bill. Here's how you're going to be, you know, handling uh, a service request when it comes in from, I mean, step by step, a video screen share with additional, you know, checklists. Everything's run by a checklist. So it's like the the opportunity for an error is so minimized because there's there's like checks and balances. And when there is an error, it's like, hey, go rewatch that video. Hey, go, you know, go and and what did you get wrong? Why why what did you not understand about the checklist? Oh, well, with this particular property, oh, it's a nuanced scenario. Great. Let's create a process for that. Wow. And it's like you're 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 just kind of and I hate to say it, but you're kind of going through the suck of the, oh, wow, like we didn't know that. And then you're developing a process or you're constantly optimizing. Right. You know, we do a monthly staff meeting. Yes, obviously to, you know, talk about strategy, goals and everything, but we always get feedback from our employees. What are you seeing? Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. Well, what happened? Oh, well, because the, the, oh, well, that's a new problem. That's a new thing in our industry. How are we now going to change, adapt, you know, roll this out? So it's a constant optimization based on what, what you run into, not making the same mistake. Right. So getting yeah. from your getting into your first million in business, right? Yeah. Yeah. That probably happened in the first couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So then what would the, the uh, that first, that first million uh, in this business, what would that have been like if you didn't, if you, if it was all verbal direction? It would have been terrible. And, and, and what's so funny is, is I, you know, the efficiency of business is it, it's, it's amazing. I, when I see businesses, or I bring on, when we bring on new people and they come from businesses that perhaps weren't as efficient, mm-hmm. you see how inefficient a lot of companies are. We've consulted large, yeah. you know, multi-figure companies yes. that were just a migraine. Uh, completely. Right. Yeah. And they're, and the same tools, it's funny, the same tools that apply in a small business can be scaled and they can apply to a midsize or even a very large business. It's not, there's no, there's no, yes, I mean. I, what I don't like is I hate bureaucracy. That's what I'm against. So we, you know, most of our employees, they work remotely. We do have an office. People can come in, they can work. We'll do meetings when we need to, but we do very few meetings. I mean, I, you know, meetings, you know, know, the social, you know, sitting at the cooler, oh, saw that last episode. What'd you think? I mean, 
I, I think there should be a social environment. We do, you know, every couple of months we do a, like an event with the company, with the employees. We're doing a whole escape room dinner thing next month and we'll do a thing at the end of the year and you kind of keep that social culture. But you know, so many companies, people aren't being used efficiently and they're unhappy about it. You know, the, the employees themselves are unhappy about it. You know, you think, oh, well, you know, Joe's likes to kind of be lazy. He can kind of get away with certain things. Actually, Joe is probably unhappy because he's not as productive, you know? So if you keep people productive, they know what they're doing, they have the expectations, then they enjoy work. That's great. But if you just say, it's up to you, you know, figure it out. Well, I don't know, you do marketing, you figure it out, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. And so it's, it's interesting you've been able to take this company to where it is now revenue-wise and you've been able to do it now with about five employees. Yes, you know, yes. which is great. Which yeah. that's, that's awesome. Not only is it a great model, but I can imagine if you took a, a, a business owner that wasn't as highly organized, or didn't put a value on organization and efficiencies and yeah. workflows, yeah. policies and procedures and structure, you would need 10 employees to run this many units. 15 yeah. employees. I mean, it's, it's drawing people at the problem and just yeah. keep it fixed. I think, I think that most people, um, especially when, they're ca- when, they, when they have enough cash flow coming in, they go, they sit there and say, oh, we always have problems with project management. We always have problems with client retention. We always have problems with refer- whatever it might be. They just go, I'm just going to hire a guy and he's just going to handle that. It's like, well, hold on. Let's figure out where this problem is actually coming from. And that's the hard work, unfortunately, the, yeah. you know, confronting and looking at the hard data and saying, well, this happened because of this reason, not because we didn't have somebody to, to actually handle it. Totally. So what would you say to, um, what's the, one of the biggest mistakes you've made in business that would, if someone else heard that today, would uh, help prevent them from making a similar costly mistake, whether it was in the area of, again, uh, making a a poor business decision or risk or not, you know, something with personnel or an issue with a customer or an issue with the, you know, uh, just a just a typical entrepreneurial like duh after the fact you had yeah. a light bulb go off and like why the hell did I do that? Yeah, I would say not actually being more proactive about uh, establishing or setting up a process. Funny enough, I mean, as much as we're talking about it, that yeah. is, I would say that's there's been times when, like for example, there's certain screenings that we have, you know, based on how long somebody is staying. Well, not confronting that, not being like, well, what is going to be our protocol for this? Y- you find yourself getting into trouble and you know, kind of kicking the can down there. I, I, I find sometimes that if you kick the can down the road, you go, oh, yeah, we're going to take care of that. We're going to handle it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that. That's what ends up biting you in the butt. Oh, here's a problem that just came up. Instead of like taking the time, delving into it and ripping it apart and establishing what, what, what are we going to do about this in the future? Because this is going to happen again or a similar scenario, similar scenario, excuse me. You just kind of go, yeah, I'll, I'll figure that out. And you just keep yeah. kicking the can. And then wouldn't you know it, three months later, you're, you're the, the same, you find yourself in the same position and go, oh, like I, I, I noticed that down to marketing too, like, oh yeah, well we're in the high, cause you know, there's a seasonality of the Florida. We're in the high season. I don't need to focus that much on, you know, increasing our exposure to certain potential clients or on certain platforms that we may be on. Um, ah, we're just always busy, you know, cash flow is fine. But, and then you find yourself heading into the down season, the slower season, you're like, oh crap. Why didn't I, when, when times were good, why didn't I really put the effort in? And now I'm having, you know, now I'm having problems filling places or, you know, whatever, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's where, I, I, f- I feel like we could have been better. Yeah. Um, you know, personnel wise, we've done a, we've done a very good job of hiring the right people. And so that, that, that's key too. I mean, you have yeah. a, like anybody watching, you know, you never want to hire out of desperation and, and it's, you've had, yeah, yeah you, you, you take, you methodically go through the process of finding the right. Yes. Fit. Yeah. Um, fortunately I have, uh, uh, you know, my, my wife 
is has a very great background in HR and recruit. Shout out to Allison. Yes. So she is very, um, she's got years and years of experience that, of interviewing people, finding the right candidates, testing, interviews, that whole process. We're very good with our HR. We have a you know employee handbook. We follow, you know, all the procedures and protocols around that. And if you out of desperation go, God, the you know, the unemployment right now is so low in my city. We just, I mean, we just hired somebody, which is a very important role. And it took us five weeks to hire the right person. And meanwhile, we're like, you know, we're swimming in it. We're, it's, this sucks. And we're having to deal with the pains and problems and not having that position filled. And, but it's like, it's, it's worth the patience. And Allison and I would be talking like, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll just, you know, we'll just figure something out. We'll, we'll use an outside company. We'll do something. But it's like, no, just keep doing it. Just, you know, keep paying for those Indeed ads, keep paying for ZipRecruiter, keep asking for referrals. So you're telling me that right now in today's market, oh yeah, 2023, that we're, we're, you're the, the biggest, and this is something that comes up a lot. I think with a lot of, a lot of small business owners, yes. finding good people, yes. frustrated with the, with, with the lack, you know, we have an uh, under 4% unemployment, which means there's not going to be a lot of candidates out Correct. there. And most of them are already employed and mm-hmm. people you want. So you're telling me the solution is literally a solution as a as a tactic of perseverance. In this market, it is. Yeah, I mean, if, if unemployment was you know five, six, seven percent in your city, um, I, I would say you know there's probably you know you're gonna get you're gonna have a lot more interviews. You could be a lot more choosy. But yeah, you can make the mistake, and I've seen it. You know, doing business management consulting where people just go, I, I gotta fill this project manager position. I gotta fill you know whatever position is. And listen, this guy's nice. He's got this degree. He's got this background. And, you know, your gut's just telling you, I need to fill the, let's just solve the problem. And wouldn't you know it, 60 days later, he's quitting, he's not, you know, this and that, you know, and, and there's just, there's a bad fit. Yeah. And so we did multiple interviews. We had multiple people come in and uh, we're off. Uh, this is just a little, uh, something doesn't add up in the, uh, in the old, uh, the history of employment. You know, just little yeah. things like that where you kind of go, well, yeah. And it, it sucks. Yeah. And it, it, I would say with this level of unemployment, um, and of course, you know, you have to pay more because everyone's demanding more and yep. there's inflation and there's all that stuff. But um, I hate that's not a wonderful secret. But, it, it's, <laughs> it's, but, it, but it's going back to, I mean, I think everybody's trying to like yeah. find a novel thing. To oh, there's working. some. Yeah. Sometimes it just just takes the work. It just takes the and, you know, coping while you organize. Yeah. Right? Just sort of dealing with, you know, that position not being filled and we're just going to deal with it. And unfortunately, you have enough processes in place and things are stable enough, relatively speaking, where you can keep the show on the road. Yeah. And then when you do get that person, you've got great onboarding procedures. You've got a great training program. Um, you know, you're checking in on that person. There's checklists, protocols, systems for that person. So you know how they're progressing and you can statisize what they're doing versus just saying, oh, I just sent Joe out and <laughs> customer feedback's not so hot. Like you should have caught that weeks or months prior. Right. Because you were seeing the reports, you were seeing the metrics. So you're so you're also, again, like any any well-organized business, you're you're managing your team and departments yep. by key performance stats and yep. metrics. That's something that you're, you know, goal setting, you know, targets, you know, roll out, you know, but these are the projections and expectations yep. for your role. This is what your measurements are. This yep. is what we're moving towards. That's not foreign to your business, right? No, not, 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 it's not foreign to any business. I don't care if you're doing pest control, if you're selling corporate housing, if you're, you know, the, you're in the, the kite surfing business. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's, you, a business is a, is a collection of, typically multiple individuals yeah. that are simplifying a product or a service, right? And in the case of chiropractors, it's it's more so a service than a product. So somebody could figure out their own, they could read books and they could watch videos and they could, you know, you know, try these different exercises and they could try to solve their their pain by themselves. 
and it would cost a lot of money or it would take a lot of time. A chiropractor organizes things in a scientific way that makes that process simple so a person can live their life, work their job, be with their family, and get that literally a pain point mm-hmm. resolved through an expert that organizes things, that has knowledge that this person doesn't have. It's the same with any business. Got it. That's yeah. interesting. So if we... Uh... Anybody could, if they wanted to, get very creative and, and figure out their own month-to-month rental. It would be expensive. It would be a hassle. There would be the moving costs, setting up utilities, deposits. Like, you could do it. I suppose you could. Yeah. But do you want to spend weeks and hours and, you know, or do you want to just find a company that does this special thing? Totally. So yeah. they seek you out as the expert yeah. to make their life easier. So yeah. they, that yeah. solves a pain point for them. That's really all about the, the, the cycle of business, really well, yeah. simplicity of what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So then moving forward, right? How do you take, right? Again, you've gone, you, you scaled it to where it, where it is now. Um, I mean, you know, the, uh, what's the old phrase? The, uh, your future, this the sea is your oyster oil, it's settled. Uh, well, yeah, I guess whatever that is. Yeah. You know, you, the future is yours, basically, yes, right? Yes. So, um, aren't you? I mean, there is a looming recession. Interest rates are high. Yeah, uh, unemployment is going to be a problem in the future. People aren't going to be able to pay. All these worries and problems. Yeah, do you let them consume your attention, or how do you? No, how do you move through the constant negativity, the constant pushback? Yeah. I mean, I think we're sharing today your success story and what your best practices are, but yeah. You've had your fair share of, you know, getting kicked in the gut, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but the future is interesting because a lot of people tend to lean on uncertainty Mm -hmm. and worry. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make a big decision because Mm -hmm. of whatever fill in the blank is. So what, like for ready stays, what's your strategy to just continue to scale and to keep pushing the limit on what you guys can do? Yeah. I would say that, um, it's always, it's always been very, um, methodical. Uh, you know, our business has been built from the ground with the idea of being lean, with the idea of, I mean, you know, I've been hearing recession for the last seven years. Right. I mean, it's, you know, and, and again, it could, could we be in a recession now where we went last year when COVID hit, we were in a little mini recession. I mean, it's like, yes, it could always happen. Do I follow a current events podcast? I do. Do I, you know, what do I, do I, cons- do I get over consumed with the news? Of course not. I don't read typically the news. I just, I literally listen to maybe one or two current events podcasts. What are the big stories? My wife will tell me, oh my God, you know, have you heard about this? Great. I look into that. But I, to consume yourself with this stuff is, is you're, you're burning your time. It's precious and valuable. It can be commit on, committed to your business. And you're not making business. This is, I think, the main point. So you're not making business decisions based on that primal negative emotion yes. of worry and fear yes. based on what you're seeing, right? Yes. So I think a lot of times biz, uh, business owners make business decisions yes. based on reactive you know, just, um, they've been, they've been focusing too much on that, on all that junk mm-hmm. and now they're making emotional businesses. Yes. On that. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of folks, you already have a lot of overhead, you already have a lot of employees and I, and I get that. Um, but I would always say if you're, especially if you're small and you're sort of in that growth phase yeah. and you want to get to that growth phase, design your business with the idea of low overhead. We're in, we are in the perfect climate and the perfect time, uh, of, being able to manage things. I mean, mo- like I said, most of our employees, they work remotely. We have a very small office. The way we manage our business, it, we can be extremely flexible. Yeah. You know, don't, you don't need to have the big, you know, five, $6 million building and look at awesome. Right. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. Uh, and some people like that play, that big venture play. But me personally, my temperament, yeah. my tolerance is, you know, having cash on hand, having a comfortable balance sheet, 
knowing that we can weather a storm. Oh God, the recession hit. We don't have to go and lay off, you know, all of our employees. We can, you know, move things around. We can be flexible. We can infuse cash. That's, you know, it's like you kind of design yourself that way so that you can actually, uh, you know, take the steps. Like if there is a recession, you can go, oh, this might be an opportunity. Right. Or if you say, hey, I want to try something new. We were talking about modalities earlier, right? Like a chiropractor, they might want to implement a new modality. Well, if you've got a good balance sheet, you can commit some money. I wouldn't, I, again, people can do the whole, oh, I'm all in. Or you can commit, try, test, get feedback. I would say the customer feedback is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. What? Oh, what did you like? Oh, you didn't like that? Oh, okay, that was, oh, okay. And now you're kind of fine-tuning Get it right, get it set, and then versus 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 taking a line of credit for seventy grand to get a new decompression machine. Yeah, you've never even touched. Maybe it you list the machine. You you hey, we're doing a trial program. We're offering you know fifty percent for everyone. You know in the next thirty days, come in flyers, flyers, flyers. Oh great, yeah. Tell me about that. You're making little to no money. Maybe you're losing money on that vertical, but you can. Is this actually worth pursuing? I mean, we now do national projects, right? So we're not just in Tampa Bay. We do, you know, at any given time, we'll have 20 or 30 of these nice one, two, and three bedroom fully furnished rentals across the country. We have access to over 100,000 um, mid to luxury apartments wow. across the entire country. Yeah. So if a company is like, hey, I'm doing a project in, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina or Washington, D.C., and they, we got 20 employees we got to, you know, put for three, five, however long months, many months, uh, we can deploy and have something up and ready within a week or two. Now, that didn't just... I didn't just go and say, I'm going to, you know, take a line of credit for $100,000, get on a national campaign. No, we listened to our customers. We had one customer that said, hey, can you do a, uh, we have a project in this city. Could I do that? Yeah. You know, could I? And I'm going to, I'm going to add up this too. I mean, you're, a, you needing to be in phase two in so many areas of your business. Yes is the only thing that allows you to say yes to that without burdening yourself the 100 hour work week. Yes. Right? Because because you pass you, you still you still hold on to key key hats in your business but for the most part you're doing you're dreaming, you're future planning, you're looking for opportunities. You have the attention and time flexibility to go, yes, we can run a project over yes. in and, Raleigh and, and know that we can deliver it to client satisfaction, right? So I, there's actually been times when you know, somebody has quit or something's happened with personnel where we don't have the bandwidth to truly take something on or, you know, add two or three more, you know, rentals to accommodate some. And I, we just turn it down. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I'd rather not deliver. I'd rather obviously cope and organize and figure it out and, you know, just make it work. But if I know that I'm not going to be able to deliver a quality product, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't commit that. Makes sense. And, uh, it, and it sucks. Yeah. You, know, you see like, wow, that's a lot of money that we're losing. But, um, Doing the whole phase one, phase two thing. You're dirty. It's, you know, you're getting in and okay, let's move, move setting a position. Yeah. And then now I can kind of move on to something else. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Now, um, going way, way back here. So what kind of energy does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? <laughs> so so for those that are listening, you know, back when back when me and Tyler grew up together, um, you know, uh, we've known each other since we were Five, I think so. Yeah, oh. actually, our, our parents were pregnant. That's right. Together. That's right. But there's a photo of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, I've had to work a lot on myself, right? Because the, the 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 funny story is during um during uh, elementary school, elementary school yeah. drama yeah. class, and you know we have a plays we have to do. I'm the kid in the corner with the, the, the plane branch, reading three lines, reading three lines, freaked out, and you're the one who's you know skipping with your tap tap dance shoes and you know, running out there and yeah. So, so you kind of innately had this, you know, kind of high level of energy. I've had to build on mine over the years, but either way, what kind of, I've had to learn it takes a lot of freaking 
energy, man, just yeah. to be able to run a company successfully, let yeah. alone run it moderately successfully, yes. right? So what could what advice do you give for people to, whether mentally, physically, mm-hmm. you know, um, don't drink their problems away as a business owner. Yes. But how do you how do you forge uh, such a high level of intensity daily, weekly, monthly to 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 move this thing forward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hate to be, um, uh, you know, like it's very cliche, but it's it's the it's the current trend. You you get up early. You you know, I exercise every is one morning every Saturday morning. I don't exercise, but six days a week, I'm up five, five fifteen, five thirty on a slower day. You know, it's true. I was up today at five ten. It's like you know, you it, yeah. It it sucks to get up. It sucks to get up. And I say probably I I noticed that I true the company truly took off. When, it's funny when I started to get up early. Started to get up early. I would get all the admin, the you know any little projects you know that I was working on. I would kind of get them done between seven fifteen and nine. Because then the rest of the world starts to send you the emails and here's this problem, here's that problem. But I got an hour, hour and a half, sometimes even two hours to really, okay, let's fine tune this. Let me let me make this uh, instructional video for this new hire. Let me, And then you got your whole day to sell, to work. Um, that whole mind-body uh, relationship is huge. Yeah. If, you're, if you're getting up, if you're um, you know, eating well, if you're exercising, I, I find my days are tremendously more productive when I do a hard workout in the morning, you yeah. think, oh my God, you'd be exhausted. Oh my God, you, you ran, you know, three and a half miles and did 300 pushups. Like, oh, you wouldn't, you just be ex- actually, no, you're, you're, you're yeah. tuned in. I, yeah. You're dialed in, you're, you're sharp. You, you get your cold brew. I mean, you know, I drink, you know, I drink a cup of coffee every morning, yeah. typically cold brew. I'm not going to lie. That does help. I take a break on the weekend. So I get a little, I don't get in that sort of that my tolerance doesn't keep going up. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the secret to success is skipping <laughs> coffee on the weekends, but it works for me. My wife thinks I'm that she thinks that's made up. Um, and perhaps it's all mental. But, yeah. Uh, there was a podcast I actually listened to where he said, if you really want the effects of caffeine, take two to three days off a week. Ooh, that's good. So that may, hey, that may be the secret. That, that may, be, may the secret. be the secret. Yeah. Forget processes, forget uh, hiring the right people. I think it's the two day coffee break. That's it. And I think that you had to listen to the entire podcast to get to the secrets of what made you successful. That's it. Again, going from zero to five million in four years isn't an easy task, but I think we can take a lot of these lessons from today that you've shared, yes. the stories you've shared, but it's not anything that anybody's listening hasn't heard before in some capacity. So I think it's a nice reminder yeah. of the basics and it's a nice reminder of how to invest in your business, how to invest in yourself. One thing I, I like what we just said, it's like getting up early and doing that part of your routine, but then you're you're spending CEO time for the first hour of the day. Yeah. Oh, you on the business. Yes. And simply, I don't have time to fucking work on the business, right? But yep. it's like you make the time. I still struggle with that. Yeah. I mean, I still I still do a lot of the sales in the company. So there, there'll be entire afternoons where I'm just I I, I literally all I'm doing is taking sales calls, working on some deal, working on some other product. It's like, and it sucks. Yeah. But yeah. you know, and then you find I did nothing on my business today. I didn't didn't do any interviews. I didn't do any whatever. But that's why you 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 know you build the business. Yeah, and then if you can if you get a lot if you the best you can a lot that time in the morning before the operation and the yep. world starts, that gives you with a clear head to spend a couple days a week at least focusing on the business. Yep. Those two hours a week is ten hours a month, yep. which is going to be over a hundred hours a year of you focusing on building. Yeah. The infrastructure and building the growth of your yeah. company sets. That's awesome. And I would say, lastly, that it is not, you know, starting a company is not for the faint of heart. It is very, it is very difficult. I mean, especially, you know, if you're buying a business and you're kind of improving the process, that's one thing. But if you're starting it from scratch, it is, it's just the, the the amount of work, the amount of figuring things out, the amount of, wow, that didn't work. If you don't have the tolerance to basically just 
you know, eat, you know what, and go, well, that's, that's a loss, yeah. you know? Um, I don't think it's meant for you, but I, I hate that's not very inspiring, but it's the truth though. It is that you, you meet people and there's some people that really, they, they want the comfort, they want the security, they want, and, th and that's, those are great people. And then there's people that just, they can't have it any other way. And if you have that personality, which I would hope people that are in your program do have that personality, they're interested, they're obviously want, uh, you know, your help and they want to improve and, mm -hmm. you know. And you have to have the you have to have the right you have to manage the right expectations. You hope for the best, you plan for the worst, yeah. and you move this business forward, and you serve people, yeah. your customers, your clients, in our case, uh, patients. And I can't, I, I hate to extend this a little yeah. bit, but I cannot stress enough to do the work, do the work, do it incredibly well, and then hand that off to somebody when you think you've mastered that hat. You know, I was doing operations for the first three years of our business. I was doing everything, every new setup, every time we were moving out of a place, every time we were moving somebody. I was doing all of that master it, turn it over, and it's smooth. I love it. Awesome. With that being said, my good man, Tyler Graves, T Graveyard. All the papers. That's right. Exactly. It's an awesome. Uh, appreciate today's conversation. Yes, All likewise. Right. Um, Thank yeah, you guys for watching. And it's funny, today is, today is a, a, a random Wednesday morning. You drove, you know, 30 minutes to be here with us over here in Clearwater. Um, you wouldn't be able to do this if you didn't have the flexibility in your schedule and to be yeah. how you see to do it. And that just again, proves more of uh, what you're building here. So love it. Greatest success in the future. I can't have to have you back on as an eight figure hey. practice owner. And we'll have a lot of fun. Okay. Guys. That being said, thanks everyone for watching, hanging out. I uh, will see you for another episode of the Business Academy podcast coming up soon. Thank you. See you then.